Thanks so much for joining us today. Our hope and prayer is that God will use this message powerfully in your life and that it will bring you closer to him. If you'd like more information about our church or if you'd like to hear more messages, you can visit vivechurch.com or download our app. Now get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be here, uh, an honor to be here. Uh, Crystal's here, she's my fiance, uh, just, and uh, we are getting married in June, so we are excited for that. And uh, I'm like, like Pastor Randy said, I'm from New Jersey, been pastoring up in New Jersey for the past close to 10 years, and so uh, we're just seeking God's will, but excited to be here uh, to bring the word of the Lord. I've just had a great time so far this weekend. We've been with Pastor Randy and Robin this weekend. Um, they're, they're going away, though. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so if you're trying to contact them, they might not answer you, but that's okay. Uh, just know that they're, they're celebrating and, and uh, her birthday, so that's always good. So if he doesn't call you, because that's because of that. But, um, so they're, they're pushing us out. They're, they're getting rid of us. So I don't know how to take that, but we've been blessed to kind of connect with some people, uh, hear from people. Uh, it's been such a privilege and honor. I've met people, I've tried to remember names, and I've already forgotten names. So there's been people I've talked to today, and I didn't remember your name, but I just went into conversation, so I apologize if that is you. And if you're thinking, was that me? Yes, it was you. Um, But anyway, uh, we're we're in this series, All In, and I'm joining you in it. And so I'm going, I have the honor to continue that series. I've kind of checked in, tuned in the past couple of weeks to hear where Pastor Randy's been going. And just, if this is your first time here, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. I would love to kind of just give you the cliff notes of what's happened. Uh, when we started, or they, uh, Pastor Randy started uh, All In, that's a few weeks ago, week one, just talking about consecrating yourself and pretty much saying, hey, listen, you got to put all your chips in the table. As you can see that, that, that reference there with the poker chips, and you got to put all the chips on the table saying, I'm all in. And then in the week two, second week, uh, Pastor Ray was talking about burning our ships. And the whole premise is this, is that before I can sail into my future, I have to burn my past because you can't step forward into what God has for you if you're being dragged back by what's in your past. And so all that ugliness, all those things, those pains, those hurts, God has already done a work and you got to burn them so you can step into the future. And then week three, if you want to discover new land, if you want to embark and, and journey and discover new places, new land, You have to lose sight of the shore, and you have to move beyond what's familiar. You have to move beyond your comfort zone. And we can't be comfortable Christians, but we have to be stretched and be in uncomfortable places to discover new lands. And then last week, Pastor Randy was just sharing about how God is jealous for you and I and how he's jealous for us. And he's so jealous that he went all in for us. So we can go all in for him. And so it's only because he went all in for us that we can even be here today to go all in for uh, him. And so uh, I'm excited to just kind of continue that today. And so we're going to be looking, continuing the series, going all in in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 4, looking at two verses there. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. It's up there on the screen. It says, Then the Lord said to him, him being Moses, What is that in your hand? And a staff, he replied, Moses said. And the Lord said to him, throw it on the ground. 
So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. But I, I just love that question because it's not like God didn't, you know, God saw what was in his hand. But he said, Moses, what is in your hand? And so Moses replied, it's a staff to which God said, then throw it on the ground. Today we're going to be talking about throwing it on the ground. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, that you are here. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you have your way, uh, God, and that we would receive your word? Um, Lord, I just ask that, Lord, you would use me because, God, without you, I am nothing. We do this for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Um, I, I've already I've already done this in the first service, so I, there's a little bit of freedom now, and I'm still here, so I survived, which is good, but I'm going to have to do it again, so I might not survive this service, I don't know, um, but I, I leading up to today, I wrestled with if I should do this or not, but it just was appropriate, um, but I need to let you know that, that I, what I'm about to say might it might ostracize you and you might disconnect and be like, I don't care what he has to say and I apologize. I just hope you can look past this. Um, but I am a uh, South Carolina Gamecock fan. And so, all right, go Gamecocks. And so, and uh, the reason why I say that though, uh, and so Clemson fans are like, yeah, no, we're done. We're, we're going. We'll see you next week when he's not here. Um, I apologize. Uh, but I believe God wants to speak to all of us, um, and and at the end of the day, Clemson did win the national championship, so you got to, you know, yeah, see, I, I will acknowledge that. But anyway, the reason why I say that, there's a reason why than just to stir you up and cheer you on, but uh, a couple years ago, if you know what's going on right now in the world of college sports, there's this tournament going on called March Madness. It's a kind of a big deal. It's actually one of my favorite all-time playoffs in all of sports. I think it's better than the Super Bowl, better than the World Series, better than the college football playoffs. I believe March Madness, personal opinion, is the best sports playoff system around. I just love it because anything and everything will happen. And uh, a couple years ago, if you remember, uh, South Carolina, they were in the tournament. And uh, being from New Jersey, a couple years ago, uh, there was, they actually made, uh, they made the Elite Eight, but they were in the Sweet 16, and that game was played up in New York City in Madison Square Garden. And like I said, I'm from New Jersey, and New York City is only like an hour and a half away from me. And one of my near and dear friends of all time, he was living in Florida at the time. He is also a big Gamecock fan. And he calls me right after they won that game that got them into the Sweet 16. He goes, hey, man, we got to go to the game. We got to go to the game. He's like, listen, I'm going to fly up that morning. We're going to go to the game. And I'm going to fly back the, that night or the next morning because, you know, but we got, I got to be there. I don't know if they're ever going to make it again. I mean, dude, you don't have faith in your team. But he's like, we got to go. To, we got to go. And so I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's do it. We're going to go. And so that was like Sunday. And so the, the, the last game was like on a Saturday or Sunday, I think. And then the Sweet 16 game was on a Friday night. So we had to get tickets. And so we start to go online to all of the uh, ticket places where you can get, um, get tickets for games. And if you've ever kind of perused those sites or maybe even uh, airline tickets or anything else that you got to kind of buy, like, it's like this game where you're like, do I buy it? Do I not buy it? Because you know if you buy it, the moment you buy it, the prices are going to drop. And if you don't buy it, you know the prices are going to jump. And so we played this game of chicken and we're like, 
it, uh, no, yes, maybe, no. And so we went back and forth, and the prices were doing this and that. And we kept missing what we wanted. A lot of regret in that week. But then ultimately we just said, hey, let's just wait until we get there, and we'll get tickets there. Um, yeah, some of you are like, what? I know. You, you might see where this is going. You don't, need, um, you don't need to get the prophecy to know where this story is going. Um, now, I like to consider myself pretty street smart, and you're going to think otherwise, but um, I do. And so I'm like, I went online because the Internet's got all the information you need. Google how to buy tickets from scalpers. Is it illegal? Will I go to jail? It is legal, but it's only in certain things. And, and what to avoid, what to look for, all those things. So I, I researched it. So we, he flies up from Florida. Um, we get to, I pick him up at the airport. We go into the city. And he gets off the plane. He's like, hey, man, listen, my... I sat on the plane weird, and, and my neck's out of place. I got to go see a chiropractor. And, and so he's like, listen, let me go to the chiropractor, and uh, here's, the mon- here's my part of the money. Let me go get, the- get, my- get my back straightened out. You go get the tickets. I'm going to trust you to get the tickets, and then we'll go to the game. So I'm like, okay, man, let's do it. So he- somehow he got a chiropractor appointment day of in New York City. I don't know how he did that. That's a miracle. But... We're there, and, and I got this. I got money in my pocket. I mean, and I'm kind of just looking. And you kind of—it's—it's it's weird. It's like, do you just go up to? Me, do you? Are you selling tickets? Are you selling tickets? You know, and you just never know. And finally, this guy's like, "Hey, man, you looking for tickets?" I mean, he could read me like a book, I guess. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So we talk. He's like, "Listen, I got these great seats. They're like four rows up from the lower, lower, um, lower area of the arena, the lower tier." And we couldn't even find those tickets, and it was like a steal. And I'm like, "Yo, let's do it." So I give him the money. I get the ticket. I felt like like Charlie and Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. Like, I got the golden tickets, right? Like, woo, we got the tickets. I go to the chiropractor, grab my friend, and um, we go grab a slice of pizza. We're sitting there. We're talking about, man, this is awesome. Who would have thought? Thank God we waited because we got these amazing seats at an amazing deal. And so we're going, and we're waiting in line at the stadium, and you just hear the tickets go, do doot do doot do do as the scanners are scanning, and you're just, like, getting closer and closer. do do And I'm like, that urnt sound came when my ticket was being scanned. And I'm just sitting there, and my heart dropped. And then over to my right, my friend, all of a sudden you hear, Urgh! and he's there getting his ticket scanned. And in that moment, I realized I bought fake tickets. And I was like, my heart dropped, his heart dropped, my heart dropped again. And, <laughs> and the guy looked at us like, listen, I, if you don't leave, I got to call the cops and everything. So you, and we're like, we, we get out of there. And it was like, in that moment... Um, you know, my friend had trusted me, I had trusted myself, and man, it came out to be a huge flop. Now, uh, there is a happy ending to the story, ish, ish. Um, we end up going to the site that we didn't buy tickets from to begin with, and had to buy tickets after buying fake tickets, so we paid double what we wanted to pay in the beginning, but we got to go to the game, they won, it was a happy ending, and I got to share the story with you, but... Um, I believe, I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to go all in. We've been talking about going all in. And to go all in requires us to trust him. And not to trust on our own abilities, not to trust in our own gifts, not to trust on our own thoughts, our own ways, our own talents, our own methods, but to trust him. 
And I think some of us here, though, you might have taken a step, maybe, and, and you've, you, you've taken that chance, and, but you found yourself, it backfired on you. Or maybe you're in a bad season right now, and you're sitting here saying, yeah, that's easy to say, but can, can I tell you, though, um, I, I understand. Um, and you know who else understands is this guy named Moses. See, if we look back at Exodus, and uh, we were just reading Exodus chapter 4, but in Exodus chapter 2, we're introduced to Moses. And what's interesting is, I'm not going to read it all, but I just kind of want to walk through this real quickly. In Exodus chapter 2, we find that Moses is born, he's born in a season where the Pharaoh of Egypt is threatened by the Israelites, the Hebrews. At the time, they're Hebrews, Israelites, same group of people. He's threatened by them, so he decides that he's going to get rid of them by ordering the death of all Hebrew baby boys by being thrown in the Nile. And this is the season that uh, Moses was born in. And so what did he so his parents who were technically supposed to throw him into the river to die and drown decide not to do that protect him guard him and hide him but you know, if you have a baby here, there's only so long that you can hide a baby before they start crying, before they start acting out, before, and it, before you know it, they're walking, and they're walking everywhere, grabbing everything. And so his parents could only hide him for so long. So at three months old, his mom did the only thing that she could do, that she knew she could do. So she takes her baby boy, puts him in a basket that's waterproofed, and, and lets him sail in the water, trusting that God will pr- cover him and protect him. And Lo and behold, baby Moses is in the basket, sailing in the Nile, and he sails right by, of all people, the daughter of Pharaoh himself. And so the Pharaoh's daughter's in the river, she sees the basket, and she looks in, and she recognizes that it's a Hebrew baby boy, the very boy that should be killed by order from her father. But instead of ending his life there, she has compassion and, and, and has a heart and wants to provide for this baby. And so uh, what I love about the story is that uh, Moses' sister, who was decided to be all smart and kind of follow Moses around, kind of see what happens, she's been following around lurking. And, and as, as Pharaoh's daughter's looking at this baby, she kind of pops into the scene. She's like, hey, do you want me to go get somebody to go provide and care for him because you're the Pharaoh's daughter. That's not your job. But if you really want to provide for him, I can get somebody. And Pharaoh's daughter's like, yes, absolutely. So Moses' sister gets the best person she can think of. Moses' mom, right? So Moses' mom comes into the scene again, who had put her baby thinking she might never see him again. And all of a sudden, she has her baby boy again. And and so Pharaoh's daughter says, will you care for this baby, this Hebrew baby, and I'll pay for you. I'll pay, I'll pay you to take care of him. And listen, so this is what's happened, is that Moses' mom is getting paid to take care of her own son. And some of my moms in here are thinking, how can I get that agreement? How can I get paid to take care of my own kid, right? You can't pay me enough, right? So, no, we love our children. So Moses is being raised in the home of Pharaoh himself as a prince of Egypt. So fast forward now, Moses is 40 years old. He's 40 years old. And he's, he, he, he's, he's both a Hebrew man who knows his roots because his mother has cared for him taught, him, taught him who he is, what his purpose is. But he's also grown up in the home of Pharaoh. He's a prince of Egypt. 
And so he has been God-ordained, God-established to do a great work. He knows that he is called to do what no one else could do in that time, which is to deliver the people of Israel out of captivity and out of Egypt. And so one day, at 40 years old, he sees an Egyptian um, beating a Hebrew man. And so Moses kind of, you know, he does a quick double take, looking around, and he decides to step in. He kills the, the uh, Egyptian, and then the, the Hebrew guy is able to get away. And so he's like, yes, I saved the day. Uh, and so the next day, uh, he comes across two Isra- Israelites, two Hebrew men, and they're quarreling. They're bickering. They're going back and forth. And uh, he steps in trying to be like, yo, guys, why are you guys fighting? We're, we're brothers. And, and, you know, I think that Moses was hoping that he would be identified as the deliverer of, the, of, the, of, the, um, of his people. That these men would see him as the one who would lead them out of captivity. But he was in for a sore surprise as these guys kind of looked at him and go, dude, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian man? And in that moment, I think Moses' heart sank. Because he realized, oh no, people know. People are going to talk. If Pharaoh finds out my life is over, and, and well, we know that talk, we know that that always spreads. It doesn't matter how secret you think it is. Someone's going to find out. The person you don't want to find out finds out. And, of course, Pharaoh finds out. And Pharaoh says he, he, he goes and wants to kill him. And so Moses flees for his life. He runs away. Moses thought he knew who he was. He was a prince of Egypt, and he was a Hebrew He was God's chosen instrument to deliver Israel out of captivity. The problem is, is he trusted his position. He trusted his title, his words, and his his own ability. And in doing so, he found himself running away. Instead of stepping into and, and fulfilling his call at this moment, he's running away as a failure in his eyes. And can I tell you this, that when you go all in, there will be setbacks. When you go all in, there will be setbacks. How many of you guys know that life isn't easy? Life isn't fair. Life is tough. There will be setbacks. Even when you go all in, being a Christ follower, making a decision to follow Jesus, does not give us an exemption card from the trials and the struggles of everyday life. When you go all in, there will be setbacks. Um, when I was graduating college, about to uh, enter into ministry and, and step into the calling God had on my life to be a pastor, uh, I'm going to be honest, I, I was a little arrogant. Um, I was graduating, and I had to do a 10-week internship, and in my mindset, I knew everything. I knew it all. I had it all figured out. I was going to do these 10 weeks. It was going to be a breeze, and then I'm all set. Not only that, But my internship was like the most desired internship of all my peers. Everybody else wanted to be an intern at this church because they knew it would set you up for greatness, right? And all these things. And again, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying that's what we were thinking. And so in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do these 10 weeks. It's going to be a breeze. Go in, go out, check in, check out. And then I'm going to enter into my call. I'm going to do great things for the kingdom of God. I got it all figured out. I'm ready to be the next greatest pastor out there. So... The church that I was supposed to intern at, they call me and they say, hey, we're so excited for you to be here. I'm like, me too. I can't wait. They say, hey, listen, we just need you to fill a couple things out for us so that way we can kind of get this all finalized. I said, absolutely. Email to me. I'll take care of it. 
So a couple weeks later, they called me up and said, hey, how are you? I'm doing great. You? Great. Awesome. Hey, just want to remind you that we have these things that you need to fill out for us. It'll take you about 15, 20 minutes. When you get a chance, can you do that? Oh, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I got a little busy. I'll do it today. Awesome. Great. A couple weeks go by. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Hey, listen, we just really need you to uh, fill these things out for us. It's super important, so we just really need you to, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to do it. A week goes by. Hey, we need you to do this stuff by tomorrow. Like, we need you to do it by tomorrow. I am so sorry. Yes, as soon as I get home, I'm going to do it. Great, awesome. Get a call from my professor the next day who's overseeing my internship. He says, Brian, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. Hey, listen, remember that church that you're supposed to intern at? Yeah, they don't want you there anymore. What do you mean? My heart sank. You know, there's a lot of heart sinking going on in my life, I realize. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you were supposed to, uh, you're supposed to do something for them, a little paperwork filled out, nothing major, but you're supposed to do it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to do it. I'll do it right now. No, it's too late. They don't want you. You, you weren't responsible. You weren't. Uh, able to do something easy for them. And, and so they're like, why would we trust you with more? And so it's like, mm, yeah. But, but God called me to be a pastor, and, and, and God's going to do great things through me. And he goes, yeah, well, that's going to be put on hold because you don't have an internship right now. But i got to graduate. Yeah, we know that, but we're going to figure this out. So take a couple days, and we'll figure it out. It's crushed, heartbroken. It was humbling and humiliating at the same time, but I think a lot of times our humbling comes through our humiliation because we're too prideful to recognize that. And so in that moment, I was, uh, I didn't know what to do, but uh, I mean, God was moving. And so he, uh, the, I guess the, the next day or so, I get a phone call and uh, that would open up some things that God was doing. But can I tell you this, that sometimes, it's just sometimes and actually a lot of times, we find ourselves in the wilderness. I mean, Moses, Moses was supposed to lead his people out of captivity. They were supposed to bring his people into deliverance. He had the position. He had the power. He knew who he was, and yet here he is in the wilderness. For 40 years, we find in Scripture, Moses would spend in the wilderness as a shepherd, tending sheep along the mountainsides. That's a lot different than being the person who can lead your people out of captivity. And I'm sure there were a lot of days, a lot of nights where Moses was tending his sheep thinking, oh my goodness, if only, if only, if only, if I had done this, if I had done that, if this had gone this way, if that had gone that way, then I wouldn't be here today. But can I tell you something? That there's something profound and impactful that God wants to do in your wilderness season. Because what I find, what we find here, is that Moses wasn't being forsaken, but he was being prepared. He was being prepared for what God had already prepared for him. But in order for him to get there, he had to go through this wilderness season. He had to endure this setback. Can I tell you today, you might be here today and you might feel alone. You might be here today. You might feel abandoned. You might be here today. You might feel forgotten and abandoned and forsaken. But can I tell you something that God is there. God is present. You haven't been forgotten. You haven't been abandoned. You haven't been forsaken. He is with you. And not only 
only is he with you, but he has a purpose for your season so that way he can use you in a mighty way. Just sometimes we have to go through the wilderness to get to where we are. You know, some of you are like, well, he needs to tell the end of the story. I'm still thinking about that, so I will. So I got a phone call. I got a phone call the next day uh, and, and from a church, and they had no idea my story of what had happened. And they go, hey, can we meet with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I'm sitting there with a couple people, and uh, they said, hey, listen, we want to offer you an internship. And, of course, you know, I still haven't fully learned my lesson. Thought I did, but I had it. I go, oh, yeah, great. That'd be awesome. And in my mind, I'm thinking, we're still on track. You know, a little road bump over the, you know, a little road bump, you know, okay, detour, five minutes, we're good, bathroom break, but we're still on track, 10 weeks, we'll go in, go out, we're still going to do great things. Obviously, I hadn't learned my lesson, but he looks at me and he goes, hey, but listen, here's the deal, this isn't a 10-week deal. I said, what? He's like, yeah, we want you to commit long haul. We want you to be here at least a year. Uh, you know, and I, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I kind of just had like that blank face when like you hear something you don't really want to do and you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll pray about it. And you, you know, how many know I didn't pray about that day, you know, but I was like, yeah, I'll pray about it. So uh, later on that day, you know, uh, my professor over my internship says, hey, you know, any, 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 you know, luck or any feedback and any, any progress going on? And, and I kind of just looked at him and was like, oh, yeah. And have you ever wanted to get somebody's opinion on something or get their advice, but you, you want them to tell you what you want to hear. So like you present it in like a manipulative manner, like, hey, we got this great idea over here. It's awesome, wonderful. Want the, and we, I mean, we also got this thing, but I mean, I don't, you know, and that's kind of how I approach it with this. I was like, hey, listen, yeah, I got this one church, but like, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, a whole year or so. He goes, no, you're going to do it. I was like, what? No, 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 you don't understand, though. That's a, that's a, that's a, you know, no, you need to go. You need to serve. You need to learn for this year. And uh, so I did. He's like, I'm not giving you another opportunity. You're going to go here, and you're going to serve and learn. And can I tell you, though, that serving and learning, moving chairs, stacking tables, restocking the cafe, taking inventory of Skittle packages and Starbursts and pricing them out, going and moving stuff, unloading vans, loading vans, loading U-Hauls, unloading U-Hauls. But can I tell you that God was preparing me so that way I could step into what he had already prepared for me. And I think that, I think sometimes though, uh, we, do, we, we, want, we run away from that. We run away from those difficult seasons, but they're so necessary. Uh, when I was a child, I had a dream. I wanted to be an NBA player. And uh, as you can see, that dream didn't come to fruition because of some devastating injury uh, and has nothing to do with my inability to shoot the basketball or my lack of height or my lack, I can't dribble the basketball or anything like that. Um, and you know it was a devastating injury that, you know, but that never happened. But some of you got that. Um, but when I was a kid and I had this dream to be the next Michael Jordan, um, I, would, I would have growing pains. And, and any of you, you, we know what that's like. They're, they're, they're lovely and wonderful and, and sunshine and daisies. And, and I remember crying at night and, and I would have these growing pains in my knees and my elbows. And my dad would come and say, listen, I know it hurts. And I can't do anything to take the pain away. But what I can tell you is that it's growing you. It's stretching you. It's necessary. I mean, he told me it was so that way I could become an NBA player. Like I said, the, the, the injury caused that not to happen. But, but can I tell you, I think 
One of the reasons why we're not where God has called us to be, the reason why we're stuck here and not where God wants us to be, is because we're unwilling to go through the pain, the difficult season, the obstacle, the challenges that are necessary to develop us. Because can I tell you, in the wilderness season is where character is grown. It's where integrity is formed. And if you don't have that character, you don't have that integrity, you don't develop those disciplines through this season, then when you're over there, you're not going to be sustained. You're going to rely on your own gifts, your own talents, your own abilities, and they're going to leave you falling flat on your face. And the devastation will be far more painful here than it is right here. So we have to go through that. I'm looking at my time. I got to continue on. So we continue in the stories, Exodus chapter 3. Moses is tending his sheep, his father-in-law's sheep, sorry, his father-in-law's sheep. He's been doing it for 40 years. Sometimes your wilderness season isn't a day, a month, a week, a year. It could be 40 years. Moses is there for 40 years. At 40 years old, he was at the top of the world. At 80 years old, he's at the bottom of the bucket. He's tending his sheep like every day. Normal, ordinary, regular, same old, back to the grind type of day. And some of you are like, I'm there right now. It's just the normal. It's the every day. It's the grind. It's back to the schedule, back to the routine. You know, same in, same, same, you know, everything is just as it always is. But can I tell you this? That when you go all in, you never know how God will show up. When you go all in, you never know how God will show up. Because God shows up unexpectedly in his time. In our time, rather. But always in his perfect timing. And it could be the regular day. It could be an ordinary day. It will be the day you least expect it. And that can be the day that God shows up mightily and powerfully in your life. And that's so true for Moses. Because Moses... 40 years he's been tending his father-in-law's sheep. 40 years he's been wandering this mountainside. And at 80 years old, what happens? God shows up unexpectedly. Not only unexpectedly, but in an unexpected way. Because there was a bush and it was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And in that bush, Moses heard the voice of God. God appears to him in a burning bush in an unexpected time. And God tells Moses that, hey, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. We have this, you know, there's a lot of study that's done about why was it a burning bush? Why couldn't it have been this or that? And God could have used anything or any way to make himself known in that moment. But I believe that one of the reasons why he chose a thorn bush of all things is that there is no place devoid or empty of the presence of God. There's no place too far. There's no place too deep. There's no place too dark that God is not there. I love what David says in Psalm 139. I love what he says. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. And can I tell you this morning, if you're here today and this is you, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what season you're in, how deep of a hole you dug yourself in, how dirty of a mess you created, how horrendous of a situation that might not even be your fault. Because can I tell you that following Jesus means you're going to be led through storms at times, but it doesn't matter how dark how far how dirty how messy it is God is present God is near and God can and will show up and many times in ways you never expect it and when you least expect it God will when you go all in you never know how God will show up 
And when you go all in, you are never alone. When you go all in, you are not alone. So God reveals to Moses in the burning bush unexpectedly in an unexpected manner. And he tells Moses, hey, I'm calling you to deliver my people, the people who I've, I have not forgotten out of captivity. Now, again, remember, Moses knew this. Forty years ago, he was ready to do it. He was ready. He was the prince of Egypt. He was also, he knew his status as a Hebrew man. And he was ready to fulfill the calling and the purpose God had established. But 40 years in the wilderness changed Moses' heart. And so instead of being like, yes, let's go do it, God, I've been waiting. Moses says, well, wait a second, I can't do that. God, I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm not able. What, who do I say sent me uh, if I do this? And I love what God says. He says, tell him I am has sent you. I am who I am. I am enough. I will provide. I am everything you need and everything you don't realize you need. I am who I am. And not only does God respond with his name, I am who I am, but he also responds with the promise that I will be with you. When you go all in, you are not alone. And can I tell you that this is the same promise that you and I have today, that doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're enduring, what you're going through, that Jesus will be with you. We can take hold of that hope today that he is with us. He has done a great work. He is doing a great work, and he will continue to do a great work. And so you and I can take hold of the hope and truth of Jesus Christ because he came to the earth, born of a virgin. He lived sinlessly, perfectly on earth. He laid down his life. Three days later, he died or he he died and then he rose again and but when he rose again he ascended into heaven but can I tell you this that he's not a disinterested savior he's not a dead savior but he's a risen savior who is even now seated at the right hand of God the father interceding on our behalf because you and I are not alone we're not alone and he's choosing you and I He's choosing you and I, not because of who you are, because of who I am, but because of who he is. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what I can do, because we can't do a whole lot, but it's all about what he has already done. Can I tell you that God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things? He loves to use ordinary people, and I would consider myself, and I think all of us here, as ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But for him to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things or something that you and I have to do, we got to throw our staff down. So in Exodus 4, the text from the beginning here says this. It says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And I don't think God was asking Moses that he didn't know what a, a shepherd's staff was in that day and age. It wasn't because he wasn't sure what that piece of wood he was holding in his hand all this time was, and he was confused by that. But because I think God wanted Moses to realize that this isn't about a piece of wood. It wasn't about a branch from a tree. It wasn't about a little twig he picked up on the ground. But it meant so much more because I believe that Moses' staff represented far more than just a piece of wood. Moses' staff represent his identity and security as a shepherd. It was with this staff that he would lean on for support when he was weary and tired. It was with this staff that he would use it to defend himself and defend his sheep. It was with this staff that he was known for his livelihood, what was going to provide for him and his wife and his family. 
This staff was what Moses identified with his identity, his purpose, and everything he had. And God was saying, listen, what is in your hand? It's not about a piece of wood, but it's about what are you holding on to? What are you trusting? Because if you can't let go of that, I can't use you the way that I'm calling you. You know, we have this idea that we have to hold on to things for, you know, we have to hold on to things. And, and we, we get uncomfortable when we, we lose control. Anyone else feel that way? Anyone? Uh, if you're a parent here, and I, I've helped um, some students in, in years uh, learn how to drive. And can I tell you, that is the most terrifying experience ever, is when you give the keys over to a 16 or 17-year-old and say, I'm trusting you with my life behind this machine that can go 130 miles per hour. Go ahead and have your way, right? It's like, like it's, but we all know it's a process we have to go through. For them to learn how to drive so that way we don't have to take them to soccer practice anymore. And so, but if we're not willing to let go of control and give it to them, that will never take place. And and that sounds paradoxical because sometimes we, we don't like that. But can I tell you that that's following Jesus. I love what Jesus says. He says, to gain, I have to let go. Jesus tells us that if we want to be the greatest... We have to be the least. That makes no sense. He says to lead, we have to serve. And I love this though, that if we want to live, we have to die. And it might not make sense to you and I, but can I tell you that Jesus is the one who shows up unexpectedly in the ways that we don't understand. And I might not gather, I might not understand it, but can I tell you, I serve the one who does understand. I serve the one who does know. And that when I'm obedient, then there can come understanding. And it's what Jesus modeled himself. I love this. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. I stole that from somebody. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You know, when, when God is asking Moses what's in your hand, it wasn't about identifying properly, not just identifying the object properly as hand, but it was also a matter of faith. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because to go all in, we have to throw down what's in our hand. We have to throw down our staff. We have to throw it down. And just as I'm closing, I'm going to ask that the worship team, if they can come back up. To go all in, we have to throw what's in our hand down. We have to throw down our staff. We have to let it down. So the question I'm asking you today is simply this. What are you holding on to? What are you putting your trust in? What are you dependent upon? Because God has asked you to let that go. He's asking you to throw it down because for him, he realizes that so long as you hold on to that, so long as you trust it, he can't use you the way that he's designed you to use you. Could be some of you, could be your finances. Holding on to my finances, it could be your job. I've worked so long at this job and I'm just getting to where I want to be. Some of you, it's people, knowing the right people. Some of it's your talents, your gifts, your intellect, your mind, your, the way you think, the position you hold, the influence you have. But can I tell you this, that God, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the, all the planets, the stars, the universe. He created all the trees, the mountains, the oceans, the birds in the sky, the beasts on the land, and the creatures in the sea. And he did that with nothing. Can you imagine what he can do with your something? And if you're willing to give him your something, he can do the miraculous. 
He can do the divine. He will do the impossible. And I believe in this room, God is calling people to a purpose bigger than themselves. He's calling people to do great and mighty things for his glory and his honor, to bring dead people to life. But so long as we hold on to the things we trust, he can't use you. But if we would let it go, throw it down, we will be amazed at all the things that he can do in and through and around us for his glory. And you might be tempted to say, well, it's just a stab. It's insignificant. It's not important. Or maybe you're here saying, well, it's my security blanket. It's my nest egg. It's my provision. But can I tell you, he is your provision. He is your security. He is your provider. He is greater. He is mighty. He will do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine. But you have to throw it down. I'm just going to ask if everyone in here would just stand up tonight as we close, this morning as we close. I did that in the first service. But today, just before the team's going to lead us again, but as we just close ourselves into with God this morning, can we just, God has asked you today, what's in your hand? You might already know what the answer is, but would you just take a moment and say, God, this is, what's in your hand today? What's in your hand? And God is asking, will you trust me? Will you trust me to let go, take that step of faith, and watch what I do? It doesn't mean there's not going to be setbacks. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties. But can I tell you, God will show up. It might not be in your timing, but it will be in his perfect timing. God will show up in unexpected ways, in an unexpected manner, in an unexpected time. And you can know that you will never be alone. But you got to go all in. And to go all in, you got to throw it down. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us today. We're hoping that this message brought you to life. If you have any prayer requests or if you'd like to connect with our church family, you can email us at info at vibechurch.com or you can fill out the contact card section in our app. We're looking forward to hearing about all the ways that God is moving in your life. And until next time, go bring somebody to life.